0: Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life.
1: Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to Exodus. Exodus, the 30th chapter. We're going to uh, end up here with Exodus this morning, and uh, then we'll jump into a to a Christmas series here. This morning, it's interesting uh, uh, the text that uh, we have for ourselves. It, it is all on the the burning of incense at the altar. And occasionally, I'll get asked, "Hey, can you smell that?" or "Or what is that?" and and my typical response is, "I can't smell anything." Uh, in fact, this week, uh, I have a surgery on Wednesday, uh, uh, septioplasty uh, terminate reduction. Now, that sounds a whole lot more than what I hope it isn't. You know, it's, it's one of those things the doctors basically said, I'm going to go in your nose and I'm going to take everything out and put it back in. Again, that didn't give me a whole lot of excitement, but... but when i met with him the other day he goes what is your goal just that i can breathe through my nose he goes well then we're gonna we're gonna be successful i was like good but i I don't i typically can't smell much so when i come to this text and i look at this text and and they are burning incense at the altar i think "Well, well that's interesting uh wonder wonder what it would be like if you couldn't smell uh, probably in that day and age, it would have probably been good because when they come to the altar, there are multiple things. In fact, scholars, some scholars want to argue that the reason we, we burn incense at the altar is to cover up the smell of dead animals. Because you remember, outside the tent, they are slaughtering animals and putting, uh, and using those blood and pouring it on the altar, using all sorts of things. And so I'm certain it doesn't always smell good around there. Ever been a slaughterhouse? Don't raise your hand. Uh, but but you understand what that is. As we come to this text this morning, God had another purpose for the incense being there, and it really was all about communing with God, about a love relationship more than just communicating, but a real love relationship that they had with God in order that God would hear their prayers, that God would take their concerns, and he would hold them tight, and he would love on them. In fact, in this text this morning, what we're going to find is is God has given the people of Israel an
0: opportunity. To worship, to hear from him, to be a part of the service.
1: So if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to Exodus chapter 30? And if you're there, would you stand as we read God's holy word? Beginning in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 30, we read these words. You're to make an altar for burning the incense. Make it of acacia wood. It must be square, 18 inches long and 18 inches wide. It is to be 36 inches high. Its horns must be one piece with it. Overlay its top all around its sides and its horns with pure gold. Make a gold molding all around it. Make two gold rings for it under the molding on two of its sides. Put these on opposite sides of it to be holders for the poles to carry it with. Make the poles of a wood and overlay them with gold. You are to place the altar in front of the curtain by the Ark of the Testimony, in front of the mercy seat, that is, over the testimony, where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on it. He must burn it every morning when he tends the lamps. When Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he must burn incense. There is to be an incense offering before the Lord throughout your generation. You must not offer unauthorized incense on it or burnt or grain offering. You are not to pour a drink offering on it. Once a year, Aaron is to perform the atonement ceremony for the altar. Throughout your generations, he is to perform the atonement ceremony for it for once a year with blood of the sin offering for the atonement on the horns. The altar is especially holy to the Lord. You may be seated. So as we've come towards the end of Exodus, and we'll wrap it up after the first of the year, uh, from about chapter 25 following, we we find the instructions that God gives to Moses just in how the the, the tabernacle was to be, just what the furniture was and all these pieces that were to be in there. You see the dedication of which was to take place, the gold wrapping on it. And so he comes to this, this last piece, and it's, the altar of incense is what it's called. And so this morning, as we look at this text, here's the big idea I want you to catch uh, for, for us today. God provides a way for people to commune with him through the atonement of sins. This altar that was built there for the incense, it was to be an altar in which prayers were to be lifted unto God. And so this morning, I hope as we turn our attention, we we think about the prayers that you and I offer unto God. In fact, towards the end, I'm going to give you eight things that I think Christians should be praying on a regular basis. They're not, there's not, it's not like there's not any more. There's it's not an exhaustive list, but I chose eight. But you think about it. God has led the people out of Egypt. They, he has rescued them. He's brought them to the place. And now he's building a place for them to meet with him. And it is designed purposely for their interaction with God, for God's dwelling. And as he comes to this last place, he says, I want you to build this altar. You read the, we read the dimensions there. It's 18 by 18 square. It's a little smaller than this tabletop. And it's 36 inches high, which is probably roughly about there. That's all it is. But on it is to be the incense which is burned. And it's interesting that that the placement of it. The scripture tells us you are to place it right in front of the curtain. In other words, if you know the tabernacle, you know that there is this big curtain that separates the holy of holies that no one is to go into because it's holy. Holy. Once a year, a priest would, and they would tie a rope around him in case something happened to him. But in there is the the covenant, the mercy seat. And so this table is to sit right in front of it. You are to look at this curtain, and you are to keep the incense burning. And it's incense burning of a morning, and then you come back as you tend to the lamps. You burn it again. Again, few people want to say, well, it's due to the smell, the aroma. It makes something pleasing unto God. But as we read Scripture, we recognize this atonement, this burning of incense, is offering prayers unto God. Let me give you a couple of things we find in this text when it comes to this moment. Of God setting up this communing with him. The first thing I want you to catch from the text is God provides you a way to communicate with him. The whole purpose of this was to, to provide an opportunity for the, the priest to come and lift prayers up to the Lord to, to God. And, and to help you think through that process, throughout Scripture, we, we read where the burning of incense was connected to prayer, so it's not just something that we we've, we've made up. It's something that we find over and over in Scripture in different places. In Psalms, we read where David is is praying unto the Lord, and he's asking God, "Would you hear my prayers as you as the incense is being offered?" Now, the thing about David making that statement is David's not a priest, and so David has no authority to. To light incense in the in the tent. But as as the, as the incense is being burned in the tent, the prayers of the people are going up. People oftentimes gathered at the tent, and they are praying unto the Lord as, as the incense is. God is giving the priest an opportunity to speak. In fact, in Luke's gospel, we read where where Zachariah, remember, he's in there. It's his royal duty to be tending to the incense. And what happens to him? As he's doing it, an angel of the Lord shows up to him and says, God has heard your prayers. Over and over, this idea of burning incense is the symbol of sending prayers unto God. So at this moment when God is instructing Moses to build this temple, he is... Giving them an opportunity to communicate with Him. An opportunity that you and I, to this day, have an opportunity to hear and to commune with God. To have a moment in which we are gathered in the presence of God as we talk. But, does God hear every prayer? I mean, think about that for a second. Or is there just certain prayers he hears? Uh, when, when someone prays to Muhammad, does God hear that? When an unbeliever lifts his prayer, does God hear that? Well, the answer is yes, because if we say God doesn't hear that, then we, we basically say God's unable to do something. That's not really the right question. The question for you and I is, what prayers do God respond to? Are there certain groups that God responds to? And the answer to that is yes. Those whose sins have been atoned for. Which leads me to the second thing. We see this in verse 10. Uh, God hears your prayers through the atonement of your sins. In verse 10 of the text, we read that, that idea that every year that Aaron was to go and make the atonement for the, the people's sin. There was a sacrifice. And we've, we've talked about that over and over as we've come to to the, the book of Exodus uh, as how people would, would bring an animal based on their family size. And sometimes they might have to, to gather with others. But they would bring something, and it would be an atonement. It would be a payment for their sins. And they would bring that offering, and the priest would then take that offering, asking God to forgive them of all their sins. And it's through that atonement that we have the relationship with God— That he hears our prayers. I mean, think about it. Remember how the people of Egypt, uh, how how they left Egypt, how Israel left Egypt. They were to do what? They were to put blood where on the doorpost. The blood was was the sign for them in which the angel of death would pass over. Blood was going to be required that night, and you either put it on the on the doorpost or. The angel of death would come and blood would be
0: in the house they'd, they'd kill. It's an atonement of sins. And as they, as they
1: come and headed to the promised land, God has reminded them of what a sacrifice in that atonement needs to look like. And so it is through that atonement that God hears prayers. That a person comes to a relationship that they understand it's only through the blood of Jesus. So the person who prays to Muhammad, can God hear that? Absolutely. But does God respond? No, because they don't recognize the atonement of the sins through Jesus Christ. You say, well, how does an unbeliever come to know Christ? Christ is working in their heart. They're beginning to realize at that moment of confession that it is only through the blood of Jesus that they can be saved. So it's the atonement. So you and I, as we read this text, we come to this place and we see that God has put this, this, given them this opportunity to pray and to lift up prayers to them. And at this moment in the history of, Israel, it is through the priest, but praise be to God, we don't need a priest any longer, do we? We have the ultimate priest, Jesus Christ, who's paid that atonement for our sins. That Christ went to a cross paying for our sins. And That is important for you and I to know because it is through that relationship that you and I can come this morning and we can offer up prayers. On our own, we can stand in this room with the body of Christ praying as a unison, or we can stand in this room by ourselves with nobody else and praying to God for him to hear our prayers. So the question I posed to us this morning is, how's your communing with God? I gave that title to, the, to Laura. That they, she, she said, are you sure you want to say communion or communion? Communicate. I said I want commune because commune is much more of an intimate relationship. I can communicate with anybody and not have an intimate relationship, but I want to commune with God. So how's that with you? Well, what does your prayer life look like? How intimate are you with God? Asking God and hearing
0: from God. Commune means that we're not only speaking, but we're listening. So are you communing with God? He gives us this wonderful opportunity. but How well do we do that? Let me
1: give you eight things. And I, I tried to I tried to figure out what are the things that we as a body, as believers, need to pray on a regular basis. Some daily, some hourly. What do we need to be praying for? And, and, and I couldn't get it, you know, I got to eight and I, I mean, couldn't get it any less than eight. So let me give you eight things that I think we should be praying for. And in fact, I'll tell you this, the first four, when I was thinking about prayer and what should we be praying, you, you can't help but to go to, to Matthew's gospel and, and read the Lord's prayer, right? I mean, if we're going to talk about prayer, we ought to hear what God, what Jesus himself tells us how to pray, Right? So let me give you eight things that we could be praying for. First thing I want you to, to that I think we need to be praying for is to pray for God's will. Catch that, God's will. Now, we all, I think everybody in this room and watching would say, I want God's will. But then quietly we would go, but we want God's will to match our will. Right? I mean, let's be honest. When 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 sickness happens, when struggles happen. Hey, God, here's how you answer the Here's how, what I need you to do, right? God, God, would you, would you, would you, and if we're in a conflict, would you just smite them down and make them know that they're wrong and I'm right? We, we, we want God's will. We say that, but are we praying that way? In a sense that even if, even if we don't quite understand God's will, I mean, that's a hard prayer to pray. I mean, w- simple to say God's will, but to really pray and mean it that way, that's a difficult thing. And so we need to be praying that, not, not just once in a while, but regularly, daily. Jesus tells us this in the, sermon, in, as in the Lord's Prayer. He says it here. He says, your kingdom Come. He's teaching his disciples how to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The thing he taught
0: them was, make sure you're praying your will be done. He didn't teach them, hey, ask and we'll do what you want.
1: He taught them to pray. You pray God's will be done. And sometimes that's a hard prayer to pray when we're facing difficulties. When we're facing end-of-life issues,
0: when we're facing uphill battles. Because we want we want it our way. But if we're gonna, if we're gonna truly commune with God, we've got to,
1: it's gotta be his way, not our way. Second thing we have to do is pray uh, for daily needs, he teaches us this in, in the sermon: on pray, pray for daily needs. Now, understand needs and wants, right? Sometimes it's a hard thing. We we talk about needs, but a lot of people don't understand the difference between needs and wants. I, I remember growing up, I, there was always something I needed. You know, I, need, I, I needed a new car, or I needed a new radio, or I needed, needed this. I didn't need any of that, right? What was that? It was a want. I mean, in life, there's only a handful of things we have to have. Roof over our head, food in our belly, you, you know, uh, money to, to, pay, to pay the minimum. We, we don't need all the cable channels, satellite channels, We don't need all the extra bells and whistles. Now, there's not a thing wrong with any of that. But when
0: we pray for our needs, let's understand needs and wants. Pray for your daily needs. In fact, when
1: Jesus is telling this to the disciples, what are they doing? They're traveling. And so, as they travel, they just got to we just need the bare necessities. Let's pray for our daily needs. We read this in, in, in verse 11 of, of chapter 6. Give us today our daily bread, our daily needs. Third thing we catch is we got to pray for God's forgiveness. We've got to pray for God's forgiveness. We all need forgiving, amen? Sometimes we need forgiveness multiple times a day.
0: So we need to be praying and asking God to forgive us. You know, maybe maybe today hasn't started off well. Sometimes we
1: we don't get our mornings just going well and we say things to our family that we shouldn't say. We need to pray for forgiveness driving around town and the car doesn't the person in front of us doesn't respond like they should have they didn't put on turn signal they stopped too soon and we we say things that we need to be forgiven of then there are things like people we just dislike right now right now in our country there's just this bitterness that just continues to grow and it's a bitterness over several things. It's not just the political environment, but it's COVID. It's, it's how we p- treat people.
0: We need to learn to ask for forgiveness. But we also need to give forgiveness. And
1: so as we're praying for God's forgiveness, we need to be asking to be forgiven and to give us the strength to forgive. Because it both works both ways. Friends, our culture's never going to change if believers don't learn to forgive. Doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. Doesn't mean we're going to agree on on, uh, certain issues. It just means that we're going to learn to forgive and recognize God is greater. And we're going to press in there. But notice what he tells us in verse 12 of that text. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Are you forgiving those around
0: you? Who are you bitter at? Who are you frustrated at? Who are you angry with? Are you you praying
1: regularly to seek forgiveness or to forgive them? They They may never come to a place and look at you and say, I'm sorry, but you don't need them to.
0: If you'll ask God to give you the forgiveness towards them. Friends, that's one I think we have to pray frequently,
1: especially in our current culture. The fourth thing we see when we come from the Sermon on the Mount is to pray for deliverance. Pray for deliverance. Um, we're, We're faced and we're in situations all the time and in verse 13, Jesus tells his disciples this. And do not, bring us, uh, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Listen, there is, there is a sin nature dwelling inside every one of us that's wanting us to, to lash out, to just scream out, to be frustrated with somebody, to just let them have it. This week at the Kentucky Baptist Convention, I went to a meeting Monday, or Monday morning, it was apart from the convention, and a pastor who I highly admire in our state was talking about a, a conversation he was having with one of his church members. And in that, in that moment, the church member had come in and was basically sharing with the pastor all that he felt like the pastor wasn't doing during this time of covid I, I can't speak into that other than I, I can. Uh, that pastor's highly visible, and I've watched that pastor from a distance and spoken to him, and know there's a lot he's done and is doing for for his congregation. But in the midst of the converg- uh, in the midst of the conversation, the pastor turned and looked at the person who has not been to church since the the COVID started, and looked to the the man and said, "So." Let me, I just want to make sure you've not you've not been in our congregation since March, right? And the past, and the guy went on. Well he he went on. He just kind of bypassed how that went. So came to a QA, I raised my hand. He called on me. I said, you wanna tell me how that turned out? He laughed. I said, because I know how I know my sin nature would have been like, let me just tell you, come in here, tell me what to do, and you're you, 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 you. And the pastor pastor gave me some great advice he said i wanted to do that very thing because i've seen them at the ball field i've seen them at the restaurant i've seen them all these things he said but as age has come on me i've learned just to leave it and let that process he said i didn't slam him for not being there because that's everybody's right they can do what they want to do I just looked at him and said, and, and you all are spiritually okay as a family? You're, you're... And the guy just didn't say anything. He said, but he's been in church the last two weeks with his family. I said, thank you. I said, because I'd have lashed out. He goes, oh, I'm um, right there. See, we got to pray for deliverances from those moments. I do anyhow. I don't, you, you, may not have, you may not have a moment where you want to lash out at anybody except your spouse. Um. But you still need to pray for deliverance, because that's creating the culture that we don't want. So those four things come from the Sermon on the Mount. We need to pray for God's will, we need to pray for our daily needs, we need to pray for forgiveness, and we need to pray for deliverance. So the next four come through the New Testament. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for others. Who on your prayer list are you praying for? God's given us this moment. He, he's, we no longer have to go to a priest. He's given us an opportunity to commune with him. So our response is, how do we pray? What are we praying for? Who are we praying for? Are you praying for your family? Wonderful. Are you praying for the government? Great, we should. Are you praying for your Sunday school teacher? Are you praying for your p- staff? Are you praying for our community? You should be praying for others regularly. Are you praying for those in need? Paul tells us this in 1 Timothy 2. He says He says first of all I urge first of all then I urge that petitions prayers intercessories and thanksgiving be made for who? Those we like? Everyone. Didn't say those we, we, we like. Didn't say those you want to. It says for everyone. So who's everyone to you? Anyone you lay your eyes on. Any way it comes to your mind. I challenge you this way. One of the things I, I often, I'm driving down the road and I'll pass something. I'll pass maybe your place of business. Or I'll pass your house. Or I'll pass something that makes me think of, you. One, one of the things I try to do, don't always, but one of the things I try to do is when that, com- when that thought process comes to my, me, I, I just take it as an opportunity that God's just laid you on my heart to say, hey, I need to stop and pray. Now, I don't stop in the road, I, I, and I don't close my eyes for those of you who pass me on the road, but I, I just take that moment and pray. It's, it's not a long prayer, you know. Um, and, and, unless, I guess it could be. I mean, it has been. If I know you're really, if something's on your in your world that's just tearing you up. Outside of that, it may just be uh, passing T.J. Hospital. I'll see. I'll think of Sabrina. God, I, you know, I don't know what she's dealing with today. I know she's got her plate full with with, uh, with uh, the pharmacy. Would you just give her wisdom and guidance? And would you just bless her day? And it. And I just take that opportunity. Who are you praying for? How often are you praying for people? Um, God's given this opportunity. Number six, uh, pray for ministry opportunities. Uh, Let me ask you what ministry opportunities you have. You've got tons, even in COVID. This was, the Operation Crew, uh, Shoebox was an opportunity, a ministry opportunity. We, we've got to be praying for those moments when we are involved. Ministry opportunity I give you is you can adopt a child in our church or a student in our church. Uh, it's not, a, not anything we got an official program for, but look around. Hey, call the church office and go, who are our children? Who are our, who are our students? Ask for that list. Start, start praying for those. Let, let, let them be your ministry opportunity. Um, we have one this week. We deliver the m- meals on wheels, or we deliver the meals. And, and listen, one of the reasons why we try to do that in such a way we only, uh, where, we, where you go one place is we want you to be a blessing and, and minister to that. It takes 15 minutes. Take a meal, have a prayer, and move on. All right? Uh, Colossians tells us this. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open the door for us, uh, for the Word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Listen, we, we've got to pray that we're doing that same thing, that we're praying for the, the, the gospel to go forth. Uh, number seven, I know I'm on, I know I'm on t- um, I'm tight and If you're on television, we're going to lose you, but uh, I'll try to get there. Pray for spiritual growth. We've got to... We've got to uh, if we're not growing spiritually, what are we doing? All right, let me, let me put it this way. If your if you're, if you're plants at home are not growing, what are they doing? Guess what you're doing if you're not growing spiritually. There you go. I think you understand that principle. So, so how are you growing spiritually? One of the favorite things I love to do is in, in a Bible study is people go, man, I never have caught that. You know what that means? We're growing. Because we've read that text and we've never thought that process. Growing. We read this in in Philippians 1 9. I pray this that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. In knowledge and every kind of discernment. Let me give you the last one. Pray for alertness. Pray for alertness. Do you believe there's a devil? Do you believe he's at work? Do you believe there's sin nature living inside you? Do you believe it's at work? Yes. Yes. And if you don't believe that, you need to be praying for alertness and recognition. Because sin is always trying to destroy us. Oh, you don't have to believe that. That was an Old Testament rule. Oh, you don't have to believe that. That was how They used to think when your parents were in church. Oh, you don't have to do that. Sometimes that is sin trying to persuade you. Pray for alertness. Paul tells us this in Ephesians 6. Pray at all times in the Spirit in every prayer and and request. Stay alert with perseverance and intercession for all the saints. How are you doing in your prayer life? Prayer is a powerful thing, but we've got to use it. Mark Twain, uh, the, the famous author, if you, thought, if you know literature and history, you, you pretty much know Mark Twain, from, the, from all appearances, doesn't look like he's much of a believer. However, Mark Twain Famous for saying, I don't know a single foreign thing that enters this country untaxed except the answer to prayer. And I think that's a powerful statement. You and I can pray to a God who hears our prayers and respond. He will answer us. The question is, are we praying? He's given us this opportunity. We, we no longer have to just go to the priest. And he comes to the altar on our behalf. Jesus became that sacrifice. He became that priest for us. We pray now on our own. So where are you in your communion with God? This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you that it's by beginning to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You can't do it on your own believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose again it's committing your life to him if that's you this morning here's what I want you to do you see this number on the screen I want you to I want you to text us to 270-681-2363 270-681-2363 and I want you to just say I prayed or you can, you can call that number and say I prayed you can Text, you can whatever, you can do that. Maybe here this morning you need to rededicate your life and you just want to confess that I'm turning my life over. You can use that number and let us know that. Or this morning, if you want to join our church family, you can do that. In fact, this week, while I was while I was gone, we church received a text from Marvin and Debbie Gibbons you'll see their picture on the screen Griffiths I've said that wrong I told you I was gonna say wrong in fact they're here this morning would y'all stand they're gonna join our church today and they're coming from uh, another church outside of our association but they believe Jesus died on the cross for their sins they're both believers they've been active in the body of Christ so they come to be a part and we're grateful for you today I told them it was completely different. We can't bring them down and and hug on them. Um, But if you want to give them money, they'll they'll hang around and they'll they'll take your money and they'll go to lunch on their own and they'll they'll pray for you at lunch if you give them money. Uh, But but they're coming. Maybe that's a decision you need to make this morning. Listen, God's given us a, a precious gift in prayer. The question is how strong are we praying? How often are we praying? Are we communing with God the way we should? Would you pray with us this morning?